Story Goers, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge. My dog is walking in the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your co-host, Ryan Bauer. And today is another special episode as we have a very awesome guest with us. Without any further ado, it is one of the co-hosts of the First Encounter podcast, Haney. Hey, hi, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super stoked to be here. Haney, as you always do, I ask you, how are you? And what have you been playing? I am very good. Uh, today is a day where I am coming off of about six hours worth of crying straight uh, <laughs> because my lovely co-host and I uh, just finished Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Boy, does nope. that just that not, not feel good. Uh, no. So we played the last chapter today, which is essentially, you know, y'all know what it is. No spoilers, but mm. y'all know what it is if you know. Otherwise... Boy, it's upsetting. <laughs> it's it's rough. <laughs> so I was playing Crisis Core, um, but that's uh, you know for the podcast, so uh, I don't know how much that counts. But for fun, uh, lately I've been swapping back and forth between uh, two of my favorite games that were released on re-released on Switch this year: uh, Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask and uh, Chrono Cross. So been going oh. just flopping back and forth between those uh right now i'm on majora's mask though uh this 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 week uh because i just uh beat snowhead temple and now i'm trying to remember what to do with like the whole like great bay area i'm like what do i do yeah. here i'm like i'm just, like trying to remember. i was like there's something with eggs it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> it's a pirate town, pirate fortress and eggs and, and some turtle i don't know yeah oh my god the turtle i forgot about the turtle <laughs> oh my god do you beat do you beat each temple without any kind of help or players guides my, sorry there's a bunch of birds i've tripping. been trying but it's not been easy snowhead Tem- i i was so able to hard. do uh i was able to do uh uh what is the swamp why can't i think of what the uh, woodfall woodfall yes uh i was able to do woodfall by myself but snowhead i could not get through without the guide because of how convoluted it is in some parts i guess like just like the uh. late how like layered it is yeah it just gets worse it just yeah. gets worse and worse it, I, i'm like i'm with you like i can do woodfall i can probably do snowhead if i had to or snowhead um but if they came to great bay and stone temple there's no no way I yeah. can do it by myself. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> Same. <laughs> no way. Yeah. But no. Those are awesome, awesome, fantastic games that you're playing. So that's always good to hear. Any Majora's Mask. We love Majora's Mask on here. It's like just the best game. Best game. <laughs> it's just best, a, game. It's just, best game. And if you like Majora's Mask, you should go over to the First Encounter podcast because season two, Chris is playing through Majora's Mask for the very first time. So you get to see a fresh-faced young man taking it on for the first time and... Uh, falling in love with it he he loves the game and he's just absolutely enamored with it and it's been very satisfying to watch and i kind of I, I get i get where season one came from now for him <laughs> yeah. and for any story girls that haven't heard uh the first season of first encounter is all about final fantasy 7 amazing game right and you Henny, was, you were playing it for the very first time in your life right yep which is crazy it like, was... It was crazy in a good way like that's so cool to live vicariously through someone else's experience something that you know is amazing and that you love like like and I'm living that. I love Final Fantasy VII, but I like love Majora's Mask. So like I'm actually trying to catch up in your in your season two because like I love that Chris is going through it and experiencing it. You were just talking about how like he beat the the Goron race and and he didn't even realize he beat it. You know like yeah. and that's like one of the worst parts of the. It's one of the hardest parts of the game. I swear. I I, I still haven't beat it. I just moved on. I was like I'll come back. Yeah. I'll come back and get this later. It's like the I sword's good. It's fine. I'm fine right yeah. now. <laughs> I'll just come back every couple of days and get a new guild of sword. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. Razor sword. Razor sword. Razor sword. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 
Ryan, you've lost competition right now. I'm going to ask you, how are you? And what have you been playing? I cannot. I, there is no way I can top that. Um, <laughs> and I am playing the same things I have been playing for some time. The Rising uh, Vampire Survival Game, building cool spooky castles. Very fun uh, with some friends. Very good, Haney, if you haven't Yeah, I'm giving you out, quizzical face because this sounds... If you're into, like, survival-y games, but, like, you're a vampire... And you build spooky castles and you go and drain blood and the blood you drain, like warrior blood, then you fight stronger. But that blood, as you use it, drains. So you have to drain new people and there's like both percentages. It's real fun. It's real wild. You can play it with friends. It's just like you're fighting bosses and building really cool gothic looking vampire uh, castles. It's very fun. So the blood is kind of like your resource management for it that's really kind cool. of yeah, yeah yeah so like there's certain blood percentages so like if you get like a 75 percent warrior like you have more buffs than if you have a 20 percent warrior and eventually we're not there yet you can like imprison really good people and like then just have cold their vials so like you're about to go into battle let me drink my warrior blood go into battle um like the fresh blood in mad max <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> It's very fun, it, especially with a group of folks. We have a friend who, um, our friend Dave, who got, made a server. So every, we all just kind of jump on, and we are we're kind of building and exploring. And it's very fun. Um, I've been playing some Grounded, um, which is a, another fun survival game where it's like Honey I Shrunk the Kids. You're in a backyard, and it's a wonderful time fighting giant bugs. And then um, some Destiny. Destiny Two is a game I go back to uh, pretty frequently. This season has been spooky and fun. I've been enjoying that a whole bunch. I've been meaning to pick up Destiny. I need to. It's it's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's a it's a big it's a big beefy boy, but it's good. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. We've used that term. We recorded something earlier, and we kept using the term "big beefy boy" <laughs> way we too did. much. <laughs> or not enough. Or not yeah, enough. I'm just hearing that you guys need a new merch piece. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I think so yeah. muscle team for the gym transition. that just says "big beefy boy." Tells from the cartridge. Boys. I'd wear it. Oh my good. god! A tank top that says "big beefy boy." That'd be very. We good. have to share that with you now, Haney. You're part of the process. <laughs> just, just send me one, and I'll. Then you're called. It's called. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> one day. One day. If you ever got that big, I would. 100%. 100% do that. Absolutely. It'd be so good. <laughs> but I, I, I'm glad you guys are doing really well. I myself are doing well as well. Um, nothing really has changed, which is I'm totally okay with. When I do therapy sessions with people sometimes, I say, so what's new and exciting? And they say, nothing really. And I, I usually go, that sounds pretty good. Honestly, sometimes that's, that's okay. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a good thing. Um, but for myself, all I've been playing right now is Skull on the Switch. It's a roguelite. Uh, you play a little skull boy and uh, you kind of go through the world. You're trying to save the demon king. Um, all the while you get these different skulls you can wear that change your powers and your abilities and you upgrade yourself. And it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, I mean, I find it really hard. I think Hades, I felt like I was progressing better or I could see the progression better than, than skull. Skull, I keep dying at the same part no matter how much I upgrade myself. <laughs> but I think it's me. It is not being very good. Like there's different skulls and like, You'd be more power type or speed type or balanced. I just got to get better with it. So, but it's a lot of fun. I'm determined to beat it because I've not beaten a game in like months. And I've realized I'd like, I need to beat a game <laughs> to feel like a gamer again. So uh, yeah, it's just a pain in the butt. But that was anyway. on the Switch? Yeah, Switch and PC. I don't know if it's on anything else, um, cool. but it's, it's perfect on the Switch. I love it on the Switch. Switch is my preferred uh, right now. Um, yeah. With PC being next. Uh, so any 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 switch recommendations i'm always looking for for switch recommendations so yeah toss them my way. i love skull it's i think it's i think it's cheap too i could be wrong but um but no i love it if you like roguelites it's it's 
the, a lot of lot of charm way more story than i was anticipating it's very sweet and very kind of sinister in a way you kind of already know what's going to happen in a sense or what has happened to lead to this point it's kind of sad so like but it kind of gives it its charm so it's very good so but anyway not to go off on a tangent we have a special episode another memory card episode ryan this is this is your <laughs> Gotta stop saying like baby boy, beefy boy. <laughs> this is your baby it's, it's boy. It's my baby, 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 boy. baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is your baby, baby boy. So, baby boy. <laughs> oh God, we're gonna get canceled for something. I already like feel it in the air. You know, like. If if it was to happen to you, it would absolutely be because of an episode I was on. <laughs> <laughs> we could just we'll just like push the, the blame. Like, it was first encounter. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Ryan, I'm gonna throw it to you if you want to explain what today's episode. This is Memory Card. This is our second Memory Card episode. Memory Card is a new project we've started to kind of, you know, round out our our, our variety of options we have. Um, and Memory Card is a series where we ask people at the games, or we're all about, you know, video game stories. And this is a time for us to talk with people who are our friends, who we know, who we um, really enjoy spending time with and asking them why they love video games and what those stories mean to them and their own story with games because they think that's what makes games so meaningful is that we all find that connection within them and i asked uh, our friend haney to join us because i want to hear about the games that are special to them and why especially because you have similar to us have this shared video game experience with a close friend that is kind of a really big part of your life so i'm really excited to dive in and talk more uh, about the video games that you love and that are important to you me too so oftentimes we will start these things off by asking, what is your story or history with video games? Where where did you start? How did you get here? What was your progression? What was that so, all like? My mom and my oldest brother, he's about eight years older than me, uh, when I was, gosh, maybe three, four years old, uh, had a Nintendo Entertainment System. And on that NES, uh, my mom would aggressively play through uh a, a handful of games that would help her uh unwind after she came home from work and she wasn't like a a, a big like gamer like that wasn't like her thing but she like the, the system was there and she found uh some you know some sort of kind of like unwinding in in a lot of the the games she would play particularly puzzle games so like some of her big ones were dr mario or mega man 3 um milan's secret castle was another one or zelda i actually got my love of zelda from my mom and the history of games for me is just basically i i was raised in that environment right where my my older siblings were always playing games my mom was playing games and so it was basically just always going to happen um so I can't tell you exactly like the first time I put a controller in hand or anything because I was too young, but uh, it was definitely uh, born out of the the Nintendo era and particularly um, some some of the games that like have stuck with me for so long were were some of my mom's favorites like um, uh, Legend of Zelda uh, the first one and uh, Mega Man three in particular is uh, very high up in my my history of of games that have kind of stuck with me for my whole life um so family really um and then after you know after i was kind of already i mean i was already like playing games before i was in school and like making friends and then you know by the time i was i was in school and and starting to meet people uh a lot of other people turned out like video games as well and that's how i met chris uh or you know part of how chris and i became friends was uh you know we just started hanging out at school and just chit-chatting because we were in you know classes and hanging out at recess and stuff and then you know kind of both 
kind of started talking about our love of video games and stuff and it, it just developed from there that's so cool that's so cool that's based in your family that is like <laughs> and i feel like back then because you're you're a child of the 90s is that correct yep, yep. right yeah I, mean, I think we all are and um it's just so it's wild because i feel like video games were not at least, at least from my perspective, I never saw many adults playing it. The only time I ever saw an adult playing a video game was at Walmart when I would be patiently waiting for, ironically, uh, when before Zelda came out and the the trial was up. The at, demo at on the... You get, you get demo, yeah. You can oh still play gosh. in there. There was, a, there was a Walmart employee, probably in his like late 20s, just sit, sitting there playing it as I just, a 10-year-old Eric stood behind him watching, like a, like a creeper. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only adult I ever really saw play video games. So it's so cool that you say, like, your mom, like, would come home and unwind playing it. Like, how how now that that happens, but that was happening that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's cool. And, yeah, that's how I unwind now. So I oh, get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, what what an incredible experience where, and, I, and I, just speaking for myself, like, video games growing up weren't something that you know were seen as a positive thing for you to do in your free time to have that in your family is is really amazing and um is is really incredible yeah Yeah. definitely thank you um my my mom's my my hero love my mommy uh Mm -hmm. she's fantastic i've been thinking about what i want to do to i'm a big tattoo person so i've got you know, full sleeve. Yeah, I've got same. my legs done. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. love yours. <laughs> oh, bad. Yeah, yours are fantastic. Yours are so well done. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, uh, um, the the man who did all mine uh was a, a good friend of mine who uh, last March passed away from COVID. So I uh, haven't gotten the wherewithal to try to think about uh uh getting back into the tattoo life yet. I, I want more, but it's just I haven't felt I haven't felt ready yet. And uh and, and it's funny, you know, I, I uh he he was a guy who was just really inspirational to a bunch of uh and a massive gamer too actually. He he tried to get me to play Destiny 2 all the time. Uh <laughs> but uh you know he he uh was inspirational to a lot of uh of people in my friend group and, you know, uh, has done a lot of my friends tattoos as well. And, um, you know, we all, all are kind of in this like holding pattern right now of like, we don't know what to do next, but we know that he wouldn't want us to stop getting tat- like tattooed. So it's, uh, cause he, you know, he, he was an artist and he loved his craft. So, um, yeah, uh, I've been thinking though, speaking of, of tattoos, um, he, whenever I can find someone that I feel comfortable, uh, re-entrusting my my body with uh i i've been thinking about what i want to do to get a tattoo for my mom and my mom had this my mom's a very quirky lady she's fantastic she is so fun she's from the south she lived in the middle east for a really long time too though so she's got a really wild life so um she when she's from oklahoma and uh she met my my dad, uh, when he was a PhD student at the school she worked at, uh, and he's from Egypt, so uh, they they ended up getting married, and they're no longer together. But uh, I I've, I have a relationship with my dad now and stuff. But uh, we we thinking back to like what what like what it was about like watching my mom play video games that always just like stuck with me. One of her quirks was whenever she could name a character, she would always name it me. M-E, just me. <laughs> and I would be like, why? Like, what, what, what is that, mom? Like, you, like, your name's Doris. Just put in Doris. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, it's me. I'm me. And I want to do something with that really badly. Yeah. And then 
I thought something that could be fun would be like a classic arcade style high score screen. And then like my mom's name is like high score, like number one, but it would just be me. And then all of my oh, siblings' names so going cool. down in order. Yeah. So like my oldest brother, then my sister, then my older brother, then, yeah. then myself as the last one. Um, that's that's yeah. an idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible idea. I can I can see like like a classic like Zelda quote like "Take this sword, me." Or like, yeah, like exactly. That. <laughs> like it's dangerous <laughs> to go alone, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I don't obviously don't know your mother, but like I commend her. Someone that can sit down with with Mega Man Three to relax. Go her, go her, because I couldn't. I would lose my mind. I, Maybe it's a hard, hard series. I can't. I don't yeah. remember everything about like where I learned stuff, but I definitely remember that the first swear word I learned was from my mom playing the Snake Man level of Mega Man Three. So hard, <laughs> and I definitely remember saying and. I was like four and I said like, I think she said like, damn it or something. Right. And like nothing like crazy, but then I said it right after and she just looks at me and she goes, no, (laughs) (laughs) but I was like, I was the youngest of four. So it was kind of like, Oh God, like this again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) What an incredible start we have there with, with that being so much big part of your family and you part of you growing up. And, and I can even see now as we're talking how meaningful it is just to like thinking back on those times. That's really amazing. What games or game stories have the biggest impact on your life? What things do you remember? What things are meaningful to you? What things do you still think about I, today? I, I mentioned this when we were chatting before uh, the recording that I, I changed my mind about five times today about what game I wanted to, to land on. And it's really, really hard to just sit down and pick a game. Like, I was like, oh, this is going to be no problem. And then the last, I don't know, couple months since the since we, we first talked about me guessing, I've been, like, pretty dead set on thinking I knew what it was going to be and then, like, swapping out. But some of the games that I think have been the most pivotal to me are also some of the most important, like, some of my favorite games of all time. So, like, my my, like top five maybe games of, of all time are, are all older games that I played in my youth. Um, and that's uh, Chrono Cross uh, is my number one game of all time. It's incredible. It's a phenomenal game. It just got re-released on the Switch. I've been replaying it. It's been so fun. And it, it's really funny. Me and my brother were talking about this. A lot of people have been giving it flack for being like a lazy port because it's like they barely like did anything. And I was like, no, this is perfect. They didn't change anything. That's what I wanted. <laughs> um, but like, so Chrono Cross is my favorite game of all time. And that has a huge place in my heart for uh, for being like a, a really story driven, important game. After that, uh, Majora's Mask, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, uh, I got I got I got the the rug pulled out from under me already on Eric, uh, by sorry. Eric on that one. So uh, we don't have you to still do it. we don't have to beat it to death, but it is it is one of the best stories of any game ever made. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> um, it we'll, is, we'll do more of these and bring you back for Majora's Mask episode. Love what, it. Perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Majora's Mask rehash. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Another game that was super important to me, and this one I, I was thinking about talking about, but it was really hard to figure out. It, it wasn't really the story that was important to me, but Luigi's Mansion is one of my other favorite games of all time. And it's not exactly... I mean, it's not a heavy story-based game, right? Like, it's it's very simple story, right? Like, it's... it's it's Oh, the Mario Brothers got tricked. Cool. <laughs> but <laughs> the memories attached to that game are so meaningful to me because, like... 
we we did not have a lot of money. My mom was single mom before, um, but my my older brother, my oldest brother, um, Sam, is a massive gamer. And since he was older than me, he always had a little bit more money. And when the GameCube came out, he surprised me on Christmas with it as my Christmas present. And the game he had bought for me with it was Luigi's Mansion. And it was incredible because my brother gave me this game that's all about brothers, right? Like, and you play as the brother that's not, like, growing up, my, my big brother, like, he's Mario, right? Like, I'm Luigi. He's Mario. Like, he's the main character. He's the, he's the guy everyone cares about. He's the older one, you know, like, whatever. But you play as, like, the, the, the brother that's not the, you know, the one that's always so important. And you're looking out for your, your brother. And it's just a, a very meaningful game for me in that in that way um and and i really wanted to talk about it in some capacity so i'm glad i got to still but uh it was just not it's not really the story it's more of the the feeling right um then i would say another game that's super super impactful in my life um would probably be be Mega Man 3 as well just because it gave me my love of Mega Man and platformers and just so much fun but the game I want to talk to you about today is probably my favorite JRPG of all time. And that's a game called Skies of Arcadia, which is a phenomenal game that came out on the Sega Dreamcast. And then a couple years later was re-released uh, and restyled as Skies of Arcadia Legends for the GameCube. And that was the first long game <laughs> that I beat on my own and by myself. And also the one that has one of the best, most impactful stories for me. So I wanted to uh, sit down and talk about that one a little bit. Awesome. That what a what a wonderful choice. I can't wait to hear more but about like, it. But like actually this is great because like I so I just Googled it really fast. This sounds so familiar to me. I looked up I had a magazine, it was probably a, a game informer or something like that, because they were so big in the nineties. At least, at least for me they were video game magazines, even if I never played the game, enamored by the artwork. You know what I mean? I was talking to Chris about this because, um, you know, for for the, the the basis of our season one was Final Fantasy VII, and then for our Patreon content, we're continuing the Final Fantasy compilation. And the only reason I know that the game Dirge of Cerberus exists was from a Game Informer because it was the centerfold spread for what the, what you know whatever month when it was like released or announced or something. And I opened it and I was like, I don't know what this is, but that looks awesome. <laughs> like like Vincent looks cool. Like the graphics look sick. Like what is this game? Like this is awesome. And then I never played it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were probably, I mean, have you played, are you, do you guys plan on playing it? Yeah. In the future? Yes. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm ready. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, oh, it's a good one. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's interesting. I miss game magazines a lot. Me too. I, Me too. I miss getting magazines yeah. uh, to a degree too. Like I, I, I don't want to like waste a ton of paper and like plastics to to get them, but I do love I do I do miss that nostalgic feeling of like getting off the school bus, going over to the mailbox, opening it up, and this month's issue of Nintendo Power or Game Informer was in there, and like, oh yeah, like that's awesome. <laughs> Nintendo Power was just oh, Nintendo love Power was Nintendo so Power. good. It was so good. So, but good. no, I, the reason why I mentioned because like I remember Skies of Acadia in. One of these magazines, I remember the artwork. I remember just loving how it looked. It gave me such a Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy IX was my biggest one at the time. Vibe. That, like, 
I, did, I never got to play it, but I loved looking at the artwork. The artwork was always like enamoring and like drawing me in. So like it's it's so cool that you bring this up. I totally forgot this game existed. So this is awesome. So I want to. Sorry, I just want to. I want to play it with Chris on a, a future season. So hopefully, hopefully we will. Um, depending on how this episode turns out, I'll listen to it first. Depending on uh, what what we go into <laughs> on, on story before I determine yeah. if Chris can listen to it or not. But uh, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, the game is just it's it's so good. It's so so good. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, like why why do you feel like it's a great and meaningful story? So, and we can do full spoilers, don't worry. Like you say whatever you need to say. Yeah, for sure. So how uh have uh so Eric, I know you haven't you you haven't played it. Uh Ryan, have you played it at all? I have it's not. A big no. recommend. It's a standalone game, but it's uh, made by a bunch of developers who worked at Sega for a long time on some pretty big name projects. I think uh, even some like Sonic the Hedgehog people worked on this game, uh, which is oh, funny wow. because it could not be further than from Sonic the Hedgehog. But, <laughs> um, but the game is centered around a group of pirates who are like Robin Hood like pirates, right? So they're called the Blue Rogues, um, and. You play as the main, the main, like the the son of one of the main captains of the Blue Rogues, whose name is Vice, and Vice is like a, a a good person, even though he's a pirate, right? But they they are trying to stand up to this uh, nation called the Value and Empire, which is this like massive militaristic uh, um, dictatorship run by the the royal family, the the Empress Theodora is her name, um, uh, and they stand up to the the valuants they you know rob their ships they'll shoot them down they'll you know try to protect the little guy and when i first played this game it was around the time i started falling in love with star wars and the idea of like these little scrappy rebels you know just standing up to this massive just unmoving governmental machine that shouldn't be able to be toppled and then toppling it is just so good to me because uh, i don't know maybe i have a little rebel streak in me or something but i (laughs) i just i love the the idea that you know someone who is little right or or maybe you know quote unquote insignificant can still stand up and make an impact and i really gravitate heavily towards games that that do that or or media that does that's why star wars is one of my favorite franchises of all time and why you know i I will play any star wars game they toss out any day <laughs> um and, or or watch whatever no matter how bad i think it's going to be i'll still watch it um although i've been pretty happy uh over the past couple of years with with uh star wars um for the most part i would say majority happy um but the story of that like you know ragtag group of little like little you know robin hood minded uh kind of uh of pirates standing up to the big guy and, and doing it well and like growing their power by like, you know, going around and explaining to people like what, why, what this, like this massive, you know, empire is doing is wrong and like winning people over to their side is, is so good. And I think one of the biggest, and this is like massive plot point spoiler. One of the biggest turning points is when you turn the Empress's own son against her. And it's a very like star Warsy kind of moment. Right. And yeah, and the son actually becomes like one of your recruitable party members for your for your your straight up party and he is fantastic and that that point where you're like you've proven that what they're doing is so wrong that even your own family will like stand up against you is so good it's uh 
fin- just phenomenal game. <laughs> it's so satisfying, right? Like that, so like, satisfying. Like, it's yeah, it shows the significant the the emotional significance of the situation, right? Like you're saying, even this family member will, will change size to show that what their family is doing what you're is doing wrong. is wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's a good message too. I mean, something that yeah. it's it's a hard thing to do, even in the real world, when you, when you have a family, family member that's doing something that you know is not right to stand up to that. That's a hard thing to do. It's a crazy hard thing to do. It is. I hat tip to anyone who can do it. I don't, I haven't luckily haven't had to ever be in that situation that I know of, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I hope I would have the same strength if I was faced with that moment, but I, I don't know that I, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, maybe I could look back at, you know, characters like vice and, you know, games like this and be like, you know, I got to do this because it's what's right. (laughs) And like, so, sorry, Ryan, can I, just, go oh, ahead. No, go ahead. especially the games like from the 90s and early 2000s were like compared to now where like graphical design helps kind of like enamor you in the world or draw you into the world right so it's easier to kind of put yourself in that place and, and see the story for games like for like jrpgs where a lot of it's like top down or like blocks so you're just like looking at like vague shapes of human <laughs> yeah yeah but for that like it it's still you can still connect with them it was i wouldn't say it was harder it was different i think but still significant. Like it was just such a medium that I felt like was, was so overlooked by so many people, but it's such great stories to share. You know, like I remember like Final Fantasy nine people, like I had friends that would look at me like, this game looks really weird. I don't want to play this, but it has such a great story to it. And like, I, uh, the point I'm trying to make is like, it's just back then I feel like it's so much harder to get someone to be invested in such a world, but it was such a big payoff, you know, like oh, you get to learn such a huge lesson. Yeah. I 100% agree. I, I absolutely love um, bad graphics, quote unquote, or like, you know, old graphics. It's why, I mean, the games I've rattled off have, are all super old, I feel like, but um, (laughs) I have played newer games. Fallen Order is a phenomenal game and I love it. I feel like I need to say that. It's so good. Yeah, it's very good. So good. I also played Hades. That was really fun. (laughs) Um, Oh, oh, Hades. I can't. So good. But I tend to gravitate towards games that don't rely on graphics as a crutch to hide you know and i I don't want to make it sound like that's an accusatory thing like that's why like if something has good graphics that means it's bad like no like look at like horizon like the those games like the horizon like zero games like those are beautiful and i've heard they're phenomenal i haven't played them i really want to but like they're not hiding anything (laughs) that's that's perfect right they just they're just taking a holistic approach to making everything about it good right but when you have technological uh hurdles like you know final fantasy 7 for instance was originally intended to be on the n64 no way like that game absolutely not right (laughs) like no idea yeah so it's actually uh 7 was the first departure from nintendo uh for square i believe um Wow. Uh, don't okay. maybe don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what uh, I, I that's that that is true. But um, I, I do know that it was supposed to be on the N64. I'm just not sure if it was the first. Wild. Departure, never, but... I couldn't even picture that. No. Like, what are you? Are you gonna give me six of the like uh, of the cartridges? Like, how am I? How am I gonna? <laughs> yeah. How am I gonna play through the whole game? <laughs> but like, yeah. I, I think that yeah. was one of the major issues was like capacity, right? Like, they they could not mm-hmm. store the the story they wanted to tell on that size of disc and they weren't willing to compromise on it. Right. And that's, I think that's one of the things that I appreciate most about that time of gaming was no compromise. Right. Like mm-hmm. if, and, and it, I mean the no compromise drove, uh, drove graphics and drove advancements in technology because like we need, we, we want to tell bigger, better, more beautiful games. We have to 
have bigger, better systems to to handle those games, right? And and it, it's really good, but I still tend to gravitate towards games, especially modern games like indie games, where they're pixel based art or something where it's like something that really someone put like a lot of individualistic love into. Um, you know, like one of my favorite games to just like sit down and relax to is Stardew Valley, um, which you know all made by mm-hmm. one one man, and that's incredible. Yeah incredible and like i don't know if you guys know why he made it but uh he he and a girl he was seeing after he finished college uh he had gone to school to be a developer and he was trying to find development jobs in like 2012 2011 somewhere in there Mm -hmm. and he was dating this girl and they loved playing harvest moon together and then the whole harvest moon like weird like uh rights issues i guess started happening and like there i don't i don't know the full extent of like that because i never played harvest moon but because of that, it made it so that, like, Harvest Moon would never be, like, resurrected again. So there would never be new games. But he wanted something to play with his with his mm-hmm. girlfriend. And he also needed to work on uh, his development portfolio while he was searching for jobs. Ended up making Stardew Valley and <laughs> didn't need a job, it turned out. Because no. that game is <laughs> <No>. phenomenal. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. And it's just, like, you know, when, when people... When, when when you take away like the the ability to just hide like hide bad story behind like beautiful like pictures it's it's you know you can really focus down and be like this story is is exactly what you wanted to tell and you didn't really need like the beautiful graphics to tell the story you just needed the the medium to be able to like paint your picture and right. i love it right and you're so right like I, I when you said that we talked about how like you know there was no compromising back then for the story you wanted to tell, even even for Nintendo, like even through Majora's Mask, you need the special Rumble Pack to put yeah. into your N sixty four in order to play it. I remember a lot of people I knew had bought the, just the game, and did not have the Rumble Pack, and had to wait because they couldn't find it. So my like, brother, I remember my brother buying it the day it came out. We went home, he put it in, and then started reading the manual, and he was like, "We need to go back to Ames." <laughs> <laughs> and my oh mom my was God. like, "Why?" And he was like, "I need another piece." <laughs> such a, he, that sentence alone is so. We need to go back to Ames. <laughs> yeah. We need to go back to Ames Dude. to get a rubble pack for our. I've heard about Ames in so long. It's Ames so was the best store. It was so bonkers. <laughs> it was like it was like better Walmart. It, I remember yeah. like we bought everything there. Like that's where I got clothes, like toys and everything. But like I remember my mom used to buy me cuz like my 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 big brother, uh my both my big brothers and my big sister uh all loved uh GI Joe. So they all had like the 80s like legit GI Joe action figures. I didn't though because GI Joe had fallen <laughs> out of favor by the time I came around, so they weren't making really like GI Joe. So what I got were these uh, Ames branded GI Joe knockoffs called Core. There's like C O R P S, <laughs> and a ton of people had these too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like it was just like you would get these like action figures, and they were they were so good. I whoever whoever made Ames, shout out to you. <laughs> shout out to Ames. <laughs> I guess good job. unless you suck, yeah. then I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's like a do you think there's a reason? I mean, you've kind of described why you why you're drawn to those older games. Do you think there's a reason you're drawn to the games where it's kind of and it sounds like media where it's the little guy versus the big guy? Is that something that you feel like you connect to? Is that something you just a media you feel like really engages you? Do you think there's a reason behind why you're so interested in those types of media or that that narrative? Yeah. I I think so. I I wouldn't exactly say that I'm like from a marginalized group of people necessarily um i'm i'm pretty white passing so like most people don't you know blink blink an eye or anything at me but i am arab american and i was growing up in post 9 11 america that can be pretty 
pretty uh pretty rough on an 11 year old right i didn't understand what was happening and i, and I didn't get it uh, at the time but part of my experience of who i was and you know as a kid was was um just wanting to stand up to bullies right like because like people were mean and i didn't really feel like i had to fully grasp that until i was you know kind of faced with it more post 911 and i was like wow, some people are, are, are bad. I don't like people and um, all the time. And I wanted to just kind of throw myself into situations where I felt like I had some sort of power or control where I could fight back. Because I'm not the kind of person that's going to fight back in real life. I can tell you, honestly, right now, I have been in two fist fights and I lost both of them. And <laughs> I was also 11 and 13 at the times. Uh, but uh, I, you know, like I, I'm not someone who's like, who who swings easily or you know or or gets into fights or really like doesn't does much of the like sticking my head out or you know, or standing up but I always want to be <laughs> and what better way to do that than to put yourself into a situation like when you're controlling you know someone like Vice or someone like Cloud or someone like Zach where you're you're in this situation where you can be standing up to these these people that you know are 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 doing wrong right and and aren't aren't doing right by humanity as a whole and you can do something about it right because i feel like this probably isn't a this is probably a very shared experience among a lot of people but the feeling helpless like you know and with the current you know current state of the world and that's not like just today but like you know anytime you're a person that's living in the world there's a current state of the world right and you probably feel helpless at some point because something happens you know like the people of pompeii and you know 89 ad felt very helpless and powerless right and like you know and just as much for you know different reasons as you know we did you know or we do or 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 have you know uh, uh, throughout time uh yeah it's just um being able to just not be helpless feels really nice and i i think that's why i get drawn to those those characters you know and like i don't want to be like the biggest toughest guy who's you know just like you know, like like Barrett, you know, is it would be like the person you would think of, like for Final Fantasy VII. Like, well, he's the big one, he's the strong one, you know, he's the tough one. But it's not just the like the toughness of it; it's the like the willingness to like put your foot down and stand up. And sometimes it has nothing to do with physical strength, right? And that resonates a lot with me. <laughs> yeah, especially for that example too with Barrett. Like he has he has a daughter, right? He has things that he could lose. And he, but he's so passionate. Yeah, I think that's what that's what Final Fantasy remake does so well. Final Fantasy VII remake is that they really do show like oh, you like, yeah. oh he I haven't played remake well, yet, and it's on the list. <laughs> oh no, I'm just saying from the very beginning. It's the same thing that happens in the, in the very oh, beginning okay, of the, okay, yeah, the yeah. game, the original. It's yeah. just like he's oh, okay, just so, cool. but you can like kind of like see it, like you envision it in the first game, you know, like in the original. Yeah. But like you know, he just he's very passionate. He's like, you gotta save the planet, you know, like, and that's what. Sorry, didn't mean to scare you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing I'm, new. Nothing new. I'm so ready. Trust me, I'm so ready to play that game. Um, but no, I t- I totally agree, right? Like, um, with 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 Barrett, you know, it wasn't about just because he was big and strong and capable. It was because he had something to give a shit about, and that's you know, mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. I want to know more about this this game, about this this story, about some of the things that happen in it that are like interesting and engaging and like kind of embody that. Because I think um, e- e- as you're talking about this, even personally, reflecting on my own game experiences and reflecting on like 
my experience growing up and feeling absolutely helpless in what was going on around me. I too, like similar to you in this moment, I haven't thought about it. Like we're drawn to similar narratives of, of, of that power of that, you know, wanting that power um, and wanting some power in the world. So tell me more about this experience in this game and how some examples of that. So this game starts out just absolutely like out of the gate, like ready to ready to like to, to be jumped into because it's not one of those games where you're playing, you know, that, that kind of titular uh, hero and you have to grow, you know, and, and I'm not saying that vice doesn't grow cause he does, but he's already got the embodiments of what's right. And he's part of an organization already that is trying to do what's right. The blue rogues. And, you know, it's, it's a family thing. His dad's, you know, a, a blue rogue. Actually, funnily enough, his dad's name is Dine, which is another character from Final Fantasy VII as well. But, uh, yeah. uh, but I guess, which I've never heard as a name. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, you you start off uh, with with Vice and uh, his best friend Aka, and uh, she's another uh, another blue rogue. She lives on the same uh, slice of land that you do, and the 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 kind of setting that you're in is you are a sky pirate and i I feel like i didn't mention that so the game is called skies of arcadia (laughs) and it's because you inhabit a a a realm called arcadia that is basically instead of open ocean it's open sky and then in that sky islands or continents are just floating chunks of like landmass that are in this realm and there's six uh, six kind of large uh, empires that are, or civilizations, I believe that's the term they use, uh, that exist in this realm. Um, and each is color coordinated to one of the six moons that orbit this realm. Um, so there's uh, red, green, blue. Hold on one second. Oh boy. Red, green, blue, purple, uh, yellow, and silver. Nailed it. Um, Ooh, silver. I was, I was surprised with silver. So. What happens is uh, thousands of years before uh, before Vice, um, all of the civilizations were super technologically advanced, and they put all of their efforts into making war machines. And eventually, each of them got to the point point where they could make a giant monster that was representative of their nation to to fight for them, and it's called the Gigas Gigas rather. Sorry, uh, and uh, each Gigas is powered by uh, a, a piece of that nation's moon so it's called the moon crystal and what had ended up happening was after just like unknown amounts of time of just inner war between all these civilizations the silver nation used their um gigas which is unfortunately the most powerful to bring something called the reins of destruction which ended up decimating everything they kind of in a similar way to like what you would hope or what what i what you would hope would happen after like the deployment of like a nuclear weapon or something. they kind of took a look at it and they were like, we like never again, like this cannot ever happen again. Like we, we fucked up. Sorry. Uh, and (laughs) we messed up. And so what they do is they lock away their crystals. They lock away the, the gigas and they set about kind of isolating themselves, rebuilding their nations up and then starting to slowly reintegrate as a, a world. And when you're dropped into it, uh, you most of the worlds get along pretty well, except for one, because <laughs> always, right? And that's the Valiant Empire, and that's the they live under the yellow, uh, under the yellow moon, and they are kind of each of the moons give like a kind of an innate uh, elemental abilities. 
So if you're under the yellow moon, electricity. If you're under the blue moon, you know, water, red moon, fire, so on and so forth. And you're kind of dropped into, so that's like the, the background, right? And where you are, you know, a couple thousand years later, the nations are are mostly at peace, but except for the Valiant Empire. And the Valiant Empire is what everyone wants to stand up against because they are kind of starting to regress towards building up the biggest army, building up the biggest military, being the, you know, getting the idea that they are better than others. And the Empress ends up deciding that she wants to raise all of the Gigas again and find all the moon crystals that power them that have been hidden away in order to control not just their own, but all six of them and take over the entire world. And no one really likes that except for the Valuants, <laughs> as you can guess. So yeah. um, what this is starting to spread and like word of this is starting to spread. And what happens is the silver civilization, which has been kind of like lost because they kind of like really like sealed themselves away due to their sins, essentially um, sends a representative to retrieve all of the crystals to prevent the value and empire from repeating their own mistakes. And which is, it's, it's actually really good. So they send this representative named Fina and she unfortunately gets kidnapped by the value and empire. And you're kind of dropped in like from the first minute into a fight on like on a value and warship where you are rescuing her, not because you like know she's there, but because you're just pirates and you're just on a ship, like doing pirate stuff. And you're like, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta rescue this. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she doesn't, she's obviously like not part of their empire. Like, let's just take her with us. And she kind of reveals all the, all the background that I just gave you to, mm. to the main characters. And from there, it's basically the three of them have decided to take a ship, sail the seas and collect the moon crystals and stop the Valiant empire from basically repeating history's mistakes. It's so good, guys. I want you to That's play it. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, you said it's on the Switch now, too? It's not, unfortunately. Oh, but with all the Sega oh, re-releases, sure. and since it was a GameCube game, or it was re-released as a GameCube game at some point, I'm really hopeful. There is hope. I'm yeah. really hopeful that it'll either get re-released as part of the GameCube collection one day or as part of the Dreamcast collection one day. But we'll see what happens. Oh, fingers crossed. This is... I don't know. I was actually looking up a little bit as you were talking, and like, I just I love the concept art for it. Like, it's so good. And even just like the 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 screenshots in the game itself, it's just so like, like so like '90s old school. Like, it just brings me back, you know, in a way. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so good. good. It's um, you know, turn-based combat JRPG. Uh, it has two kind of styles of combat. It has uh, like uh, you know, person-to-person combat, and then it has ship combat. And the ship combat was what really intrigued me as a kid, and probably still would now. But it was, <laughs> it, it's, you know, instead of equipping, you know, your party, you're equipping your ship with, like, different kinds of cannons. And, like, you know, you can get, like, you can go to a gun uh, or a, a, a shipyard and you can get, like, long nines or you can get, you know, uh, elemental cannons that can be infused with cannons. And you're, like, you have to, like, think about, like, the like the defenses of your ship and, like, the... So it's, it, it's like, almost an extension of, uh, of, a, of your party and you have to equip it properly, too. And that's very... It was very cool and it was very new to me uh, at that point. So I was like, "This is this is good." <laughs> it's cool, yeah. I love when games did they push the boundaries and made you think outside the box of like, is that like, like yeah? Because like even the Final Fantasy games, I remember having to upgrade any airships or anything like that. Not, not up to seven at least. Uh, yeah, or not not at seven, which is the only one I've played. But um, <laughs> like 
All I can think of is like gummy ships in Kingdom Hearts, but eh, oh, I don't we, we don't have to talk about that. Ships. Yeah, that's oh, fine. The one thing I didn't like about Kingdom Hearts, well, the original game at least. Yeah, I was this year. F- oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that was as far as Kingdom Hearts one goes. Uh, I think that was the only thing I really didn't love about the initial pass of it. I did try. Um, I, I bought the. Um, the uh, cloud edition for the switch. And I, I wasn't stoked on that for kingdom hearts of like the, uh, and it's not like nothing with like the gameplay. It was really just like the choice they made to like make it a cloud only game. So like if you lose like internet connection, it gets like really weird. And like, yeah, I, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of how it rolled out. So like kind of a bummer. I don't think I'll continue playing it on the switch, which was a bummer. Cause I was really like looking forward to like doing it with the, the console that I really like right now, but I would love to revisit it just for like PS2. I would say, yeah, I, I have it for the PS2 and so not to go off on a tangent with this, but like those Kingdom, One, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 are just such a special games, I feel like, um, that like I, I I just, yeah, I need to go back and play those as well. Now that you're talking about, I just feel like I've had it in the back of my mind for a while, but now I feel like I'm jonesing for it. But like, yeah, and Kingdom Hearts 3 can just go away forever, in my opinion, and never come back. I haven't played it, and I just don't think I can bring myself to, because, like, (laughs) don't make me wait 13 years or whatever it was for a sequel. Like, especially when you have a teaser trailer for that sequel at the end of it. But, like, (laughs) I guess, you know, at the the same, on the same token, and and because I haven't played it, and I I haven't spoiled any of it for myself, um, I don't know. But we're talking about no compromise, right? And maybe they felt it took... You know that that amount of time to tell the story they wanted to tell and, and make the thing that they wanted to make, and and I, I can't begrudge them that, but boy, that's a really long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't even mind that. It's the fact that, and this is this is known before the game came out, I believe. And if not, it's probably good to know before you yeah, play yeah. it. But like, there's I don't know no if Final Fantasy characters. It. Yes, I did hear that. It's just Disney, right? There's, it's just Disney, and I and I I think that's what made Final, Kingdom Hearts so special is that they had those Final Fantasy characters yeah. mingling with. And so, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 has none of that. And I just felt like it was such a, it just, it, uh, yeah, I just didn't, the characters alone, from my personal opinion, the Kingdom Hearts characters alone did not hold up the story without the, the help of, of Final Fantasy. So it was just a, a letdown for me. Yeah. You're, you're saying that Goofy can't hold his own? <laughs> no, Goofy, Goofy can. It's like. It's Sora, isn't it? Axel and, and Roxas. <laughs> and like, these characters, they think that we love. And I'm sure many people do. But for me, though, like I would much rather have Cloud talking to me than Axel or someone. It's Yeah, it's like like for me. Sorry, again. <laughs> I promise I'll, I'll no, wrap no, up. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is your this is your this is your time. You talk about whatever you this want. This is a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> I feel safe. Uh hey, good. <laughs> um for me it's the same thing though. The the mix was what made it magical because uh, exactly. like there's nothing wrong with a Disney game. I'll go play a Disney game if it's good, but mm-hmm. that's a Disney game. That's not what makes it special. What makes it special is whatever's in the Disney game, right? But right. when you take something as radically different as Final Fantasy and Disney and you're just like we're doing it. We don't care. No consequences. Yeah. And like, it's wild. The audacity of that. Like, I don't know who had the idea if it was Nomura or if it was someone at Disney, probably Michael Eisner at the time. But like, probably. like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, who, who, whose idea it would have been, but like, whoever that person is, like, gotta applaud the audacity of like, <laughs> like that morning they woke up, walked into a, some sort of planning room and just threw that out there. And someone else was like, <laughs> I think we can make that work. I know the idea. Like literally, it's insane. Wild. Like, 
so weird. Like Hercules fighting Cloud, like that so was so cool. Like you know, like it was just amazing. I, I like, told Chris once that Phil was my favorite Final Fantasy VII character, and he tried to. Play <laughs> <it like>. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That'd be awesome. <laughs> He's just coaching Cloud. The yeah. <laughs> Come on, Cloud, get your memories back. <laughs> <laughs> just Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, he's the only one with a voice actor in the game. No one oh, else. Yeah. It. It's just the regular Danny seven, DeVito. but Danny DeVito also. It's very good. Do it in a remake. I dare you, coward. <laughs> <laughs> Was um, Skies of Arcadia your first like RPG experience, or do you have anything before that? I think it might have been. I, I definitely played it before uh, Chrono Cross. Um, and it's it's funny. Uh, I think I might have said at the top of the at the top of the episode that uh, Skies of Arcadia is my favorite JRPG. Completely disregarding the fact that Crisis or that Chrono Cross, my favorite game of all time, is one hundred percent a JRPG. <laughs> and that just registered yeah. in my head. Sorry about that. But like, I don't know. The two games are so radically different. I don't really. Like, yeah. They're not in the same category for me. Like they have the same format, but not they're not the same category. And uh, I I do believe that this was my first long game long game that i beat by myself and also i believe it was my first rpg um it was either a toss-up between skies of arcadia or grandia 2 i can't remember which one i played first but i loved uh we had a dreamcast as well um that one of my brother's friends had given him and we had skies of arcadia and and, uh and uh grandia 2 at the get-go and then my brother got some other games i think uh when i played i i don't know if this is accurate I want to say when I played Xenogears for the first time, it was on Dreamcast, but I feel like maybe maybe it was a PlayStation exclusive, but I feel it feels like it was on Dreamcast that I played it, but I, I could just be wrong. Um, uh, but like those 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 games, it's, and it's really funny that I never played Final Fantasy VII because like Xenogears and like Grandia and like Skies of Arcadia just like all like right around it at the exact same time. Yeah. So, like if you look at the release dates, <laughs> it's like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. It's like eh, I probably should have picked it up at some point, but um, but they're I, also I, long though. You know, like so yeah, that's what you off like they're also like you just talking about how like this is like your first long game. Like I my first long game was Final Fantasy IX, and it took me forever to beat that game. Oh yeah, like, this forever. game this, like, probably an easy year to beat this game for me like especially i was like oh god since i was playing it on the dreamcast it's probably like 11 maybe 12 but uh yeah and uh i i believe it was my first like exposure to a to turn-based combat um which yes yes it was it was 100 my first exposure to turn-based combat because i remember sitting there and waiting and nothing happened and i was like (laughs) when's the fight start like what am i doing (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, what a treat! <laughs> yeah, right. It's a great game. I, I, I wish, I wish I could share it with everyone and just be like, please play this game. I, I will buy you. Yeah. I will buy you whatever you need to play it. Play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, who published it? Who was the publisher? Uh, it was Overworks, I believe, was the name of the company. Okay, I was trying like I was trying to think like, well, is this possible for this to come back out on the on the Switch? Like, is there anything going to hold it back from? being able to be released but i don't think i don't think so yeah it's a, a sega and overworks so oh, it was published by sega so since oh, okay. they're doing all the other stuff the yeah have they announced that they were going to do a dreamcast uh uh like uh module or something for the uh for the oh. switch i don't know because I, I know they have like I heard. the genesis they have the n64 they have nintendo and snes um so like logically it makes sense to me that they could eventually do like gamecube and dreamcast too but i i just don't know um but like 
if they do do Dreamcast or GameCube, like most of my favorite games are just about to become <laughs> viable again. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, okay. Well, I, I saw, uh, I was looking, looking up an article and it's like Dreamcast games could come to Switch according to Sega. And I was like, oh, cool. And I looked at it as like four years ago. So hopefully soon. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> about right in business world, I was going to say. Any day oh, now. Yeah. Any day now. Can you imagine if it, like, I, I hear, I don't know if this is true, I heard there's a rumor that there could be a Nintendo Direct at the end of this month in, in June. What if this is, what if this comes between, as the N64 built up its library, you know, and GameCube will probably be next year at some point, what if the Dreamcast is right in the middle there? It's my year. The it's my year. It's your year. <laughs> it's your year. The year of hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Chrono Cross Majora and then Skies of Acadia. Nothing better. If they put Luigi's Mansion on there, I'm done. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Oh, man. Have them all in the palm of your hands. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> You're, I have to go back on that too fast. I never talked about Skies of Acadia, but like just touching base really fast really fast about uh luigi's mansion i never fully beat the game but i i i love that game just for the atmospheric it's alone like luigi being in that situation was just such a, a huge weird turn of events for mario but like it was just so good and it's, it's just so, so creepy. good like, so good yeah i was actually reading earlier i think it uh it was the highest grossing um gamecube game um wow and it has that's awesome absurdly high ratings it's like 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 it's like 4.8 out of 5 like 9 out of 10 like 9.5 out of 10 like you know like a minuses like like that's really good for like a a, a, a like a spin-off like non like main entry mario game like i think that's fantastic it's <laughs> amazing it beat melee it beat melee that's what that's what blows my mind and that's somewhat i'm not surprised it didn't beat wind waker because like i know people were kind of down on it when it first came out but like the fact they beat melee was that's wild yeah yeah melee oh melee is great too yeah <laughs> so good oh so good special place Le- leaving the Always. gamecube on for like three days straight to unlock mewtwo <laughs> yeah. oh my god oh my god you're right it'd be overheating and just be yeah because it, it was like of... time-based right you had to like play for like yeah. 200 hours or something and i remember just like leaving the gamecube on i was like playing mm-hmm. <laughs> let's see if this yeah. works <laughs> That was a that was a wild requirement too. Like that was. I up. I love the wildness of <laughs> yesteryear. Like of that time. So good. It's so funny too because you start poking down like little things like that where like if you're not playing it with a guide or something you're like how did anyone figure any of this stuff out right like ever yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, players guys are so prominent back in like the '90s. I so when I moved uh, two years ago, almost oh, going on three now, but um, I had. I was selling some stuff to, so I didn't have to bring so much to Maine uh, from Pennsylvania. And um, I sold, I realized I had so many players guides. I sold a bunch of my players guides and got a lot of money from them. And they're still in demand right now. Like, it's just like how prominent they were. I had like five different copies of Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time players guides from like Nintendo Power and Brady Games and, you know, like whatever. Like, Brady if, Games if was, was my go to. Yep, Brady I, Games is fantastic. Yeah. I still have my, my Brady Games. Uh... I have my Brady games, Majora's Mask, uh, my Brady games, Chrono Cross, and uh, my Brady games, Skies of Arcadia is in rough shape. It is mostly duct tape <laughs> at this point, but um, yeah. I'll, if I can, uh, if I if I remember, I'll I'll, I'll try to uh, send a picture to you guys of it. Uh, it's very please fun. do, please do. Um, yeah, and my Chrono Cross one isn't faring much, but my original Chrono Cross one. I have my I have my original Chrono Cross one, and then I have one for daily use. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then Chris, uh, when I beat FF7, Chris bought me the uh, original FF7 Brady Games uh, guide as a present. Well, that's so wow. cool. Yeah. They're just so special. They're, it's, it's, the player's so guides are so special. You know what it was for me, really, about the player's guides? Um, I was really into art uh, when I was younger. And, and still, I don't know why I said was. Uh, <laughs> I do all that. Like, I do not all, but I do most of the art for, for First Encounter. And uh, I went, like, went to college for art. So still pretty into yeah. it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the concept art, especially yes. from Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, was what like made me fall in love. Like I remember so distinctly the like hard graphic lines and like rough cell shading of the running man in Ocarina of Time. Like later, mm-hmm. later, later, Monsieur Postman, but uh, <laughs> but uh, like I just remember so clearly like that image sticking with me for so long, and then like all the mask art and oh, so good, yes. so good, so good. Was, I'm right there with you. Actually, there was a game series. I'll look it up um, as we continue to talk. I I I, I feel you. Like for me, it's like Final Fantasy Nine. Like I said, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time. Um, like I even had the Final Fantasy Nine art book. Like it was just, it was it was just looking at the the artwork in these players guides and in these magazines that was just like uh, it was just it was so special like it's something that, that kind of invoked this kind of sense of happiness even when i didn't play the games like it was like uh it was just wild like it just brought us that's a cool oh so the the game i'm talking about is uh rival schools rival schools is an old uh, not old but like it's a 90s fighting game um it, the premise is wild it's like different high schools there's kids in there who just fight each other and it's it's wild but the Sounds art like i never Tenge. played it <laughs> yeah what was that I, I i don't know if you uh either of your uh, anime fans but there's a, a, an anime and manga called tenjo tenge and it's essentially oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. like kids fighting in high school <laughs> actually i feel like that's <laughs> a pretty just... common anime trope rama one half uh Mm-hmm. Nikki Tosin. Yeah, there's a lot of them, actually. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, like I never played this game, but the artwork was just so enthralling and just so like, just so good. And like, I just would love to just look at the pictures and look at the artwork and like, just see how good it was. And yeah, there's this, it's just special. Like, it's just so, such a, it's such different times now where like you go on YouTube and look at a, a walkthrough on how to beat something that you're stuck on compared to having the player's guide and having to read it and be like, how do I put this to what I'm doing? And sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it didn't connect in the way the player guy was trying to tell you, and, and sometimes it did. But like it was just, it was it was just a different time for sure. I miss oh, it. Oh man, and like, yeah, like not being able to just like load up YouTube and like go to that. Like I, so this is the the house I'm in right now is my my childhood home. Uh, I bought it from my mom uh, seven years ago. I think something like that. Um, so like I have a, a lot of memories in this house, but uh, one of the not so awesome memories is the dial-up internet until 2012 uh, where I am and so like YouTube was like even after it had came out was not an option for me for like looking things <laughs> up. And, like if I wanted to so like game FAQs was where I would go like all yep. the time right? oh yeah oh yeah but like it's a lot of time there yeah waiting like 20 minutes for the web page to load <laughs> so that I could scroll down because I'm like oh gosh I'm like you know I'm like 10 hours in or I'm like 20 hours in like I'm gonna have to scroll through and like this was like HTML like three before they knew how to like do hyperlinks and oh, <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't miss that. I don't miss that. I miss everything else but that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I violently remembered something about this game that was so great. If either of you had a uh, about Skies of Arcadia in particular, if if either of you had a Dreamcast, 
uh, growing mm-hmm. up. Do you remember it had the little screen on the controller? The little screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one aspect of this game was that Fina, the uh, the third uh, person to join your party, the, uh, the representative from the Silver Civilization, she has uh, this little... Uh, living weapon that she has he's a he's he's like a, a bio machine his name's koopal and he eats these things called uh chams and whenever you get a new cham it's how you upgrade her weapons so like everyone else you can just go buy a new weapon or you find a weapon right but like her you have to go and hunt chams and they're not like super hidden but what they would do to alert you was like your controller would vibrate it would make a pinging noise and on the screen you would get this little like uh, outline of Koopal, like, I'll, 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 like Pac-Manning, like he wants food, <laughs> and that's how you knew you were near a, a, a champ. Yeah. And then you would like get it, and you could like look down at the screen, you could see him like eat it, and then like grow, and it was like like a little Neopet like embedded in your controller. Yeah. It was so good. What? Yeah. Yeah, that was very cool. I, I think that they do. They also have. I don't know if you've ever played the Sonic Adventure games. weren't like, wasn't there some Chow stuff on there too? So I've never played a Sonic game. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is interesting. This is <laughs> interesting. Bonkers, I know, but um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I could totally see like that that like that view is like a perfect little like thing to have like just those little like sides yeah. just to like just like it's one more thing to enhance the game, right? Just like one more one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Could you? Can you? Couldn't you? Again, I remember my Dreamcast days. Could you take it out as well, and it could be its yeah, own? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a wild time. It was very. And cool. you could load the, the game shark into it system. too, if I remember right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. never had a Dreamcast. Oh, I did not live these glorious moments. I didn't know you do any yeah. of that. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I yeah, Dreamcast was a magical machine. I might go down an eBay rabbit hole later, but I also saw <laughs> <the> <laughs> game costs on Dreamcast, and I do not have it on Dreamcast anymore i still have my gamecube one but i do not have the dreamcast yeah. one anymore yeah. and boy i don't know if i want to make that investment it was like i think the cheapest <laughs> one i saw at a quick glance was like 120 bucks and i was like oof wow but it's really yeah. worth it but oof i like and it's gonna be used so i have no idea what condition it's in the quality uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah and it's like it was you know cd days so like god knows what the back of it looks like you know when you uh-huh. get it it's always the fear always like i remember just like I didn't like I, I you know I, I probably should have respected the things that I owned more but like I remember just you know taking the disc out tossing it to the side putting the next yeah. disc in <laughs> and then eventually yeah. like I think I ruined a DVD or something and that was when I was like you need to put cases like you need to put your stuff back in <laughs> find its home <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah great great stuff yeah so good so for you Henny why do you feel like and we kind of touched on this already, so if we're being a dead horse, let me know. But why do you feel like overall video game stories are important? And when I say that, it could be like towards you, towards the world, you know, whatever that means for you. I think video game stories are important in the same way that any story is important, right? Like any piece of media, any oral tradition, anything. Um, you can you can convey so many different things, right? You can convey morality tales, right? Like you can you you can in video games just as easy as you could in in anything else you know religious text or uh you know a a book that has a particularly like strong like uh you know ethical like backbone or anything like that you can uh portray you know things like uh you know like here's what here's what happens if we don't get better right like that's like one of the things i love about ff7 is like the entire 
basis of it, you know, starting out at least, you know, before it kind of gets more into the the metaphysical stuff is uh, they're eco-terrorists <laughs> that are mad because, you know, a massive company is stripping natural resources from a world. Like, that's not like a far out concept, you know, and like <laughs> and that game came out yeah. 15. What was it? Uh, no, not 25 years ago now. Something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. Tw- oh, yeah, this would really? be 25. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, that and like that hasn't gotten better. But like you could tell that story, you know, <laughs> like uh, in the same way that like, you know, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, movies is, is uh, Princess Mononoke, you know, which is a very similar story, like telling telling the story of, you know, what happens when you don't live in harmony with with nature or with, you know, or when you don't respect things. And, you know, in any sort of storytelling, right, it doesn't matter what the, the media is or what the venue is, right? Like it can be, you know, uh, uh, just like us telling each other stories from our childhood. It can be us playing, you know, video games and learning a story from there, reading a book, listening to a, a podcast, listening to the radio, listening to songs, you know, anything that just lets someone express or or you know in the case of video games typically several people express what what they what they want to say you know and have people sit down and listen to it or sit down and play it or sit down and read it and take it in and it's a very i think respectful sign to play or read or listen to something that someone else has created when they want to tell a story and it can pay back that person's work in a way with, you know, maybe, maybe not financially or, 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 you know, quite literally, but the idea of being able to, you know, reach out to someone and be like, Hey, I loved what you did and have that person be like, this, like that, that makes it for me. Like, that's the reason I did this was because you love it is just as important in video games as it is in any other media, you know, in, in movies, TV shows, books, uh, songs, you know, podcasts, any, any, anything that any venue that you can use to, to, to tell a story, um, is important. And I think in video games, it's, it's, it's funny because like, there's not, I feel like there's not a lot of video games that don't have a story, but there's a lot of video games that don't need a strong story, right? Like there's a lot of like, you know, uh, first person shooters that definitely have a story. They like, they're trying to t- you know, say something they're trying to, uh, not, not, I'm not in any way trying to like, you know, uh, uh, like poo poo FPSs or anything. I love FPSs, but, um, you know, like they might not need to tell a very long convoluted story to get their point across, but you know, um, they might still have a story to tell. And, and, you know, and I, one of the things that I immediately came home and did, um, Chris is not listening to this episode at all. I just realized because one of the other games I wanted to play is the Halo series. Um, but after finishing oh, Crisis Core today, so uh, Crisis Core, again, massive spoilers, ends mm-hmm. with uh, with it, you cannot beat the game. You die, <laughs> like yeah. because yeah. that's what happens, right? And there's not a lot of games that do that, right? Uh, from a story, but one that always sticks out to me is Halo Reach, and the Halo ending Reach. Yep. of Crisis Core and the ending of Halo Reach are very hand in hand in how they're executed and unfortunately that's also quite literally how they're executed but um (laughs) but um it's 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 you know i'm i feel like i'm probably rambling a little bit but like it's just that like you know like 
a lot of people don't think about Halo for the story, or they didn't once upon a time. You know, it was just it was a it was an FPS, right? Like whatever. You know, I'm just I'm gonna load it up, play multiplayer with my friends, never touch the campaign or something, right? But like, there's still a story in there, right? And turns out it's actually a very good story. It's a very very good story. But um, but just being able to 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 say what you want to say in a way like where maybe you can't just speak it right and have people listen but you can put it into a game that they can play and digest and still take away and maybe you weren't speaking directly to them uh like you would be you know in 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 another you know venue or on on some other you know kind of media but you're you're still imparting something of yourself on them and i love the kind of shared human uh oral tradition right and it just it's it's kind of the next like human evolution of oral tradition is is, you know kind of visual media and and written text and all this right and and video games are so cool because they can combine all three of those into into one thing right you can have you can have oral tradition and you know amazing writing for a story and you know beautiful like visuals that all tell you know work work in tandem to tell a story and it's just like it feels like we haven't lost the thing that really like made us human, which was like getting together and talking to each other and telling each other stories and, you know, imparting something from ourselves about, you know, like this was my experience and, you know, maybe you can take something away and, and, and learn from it. Or, you know, this is, you know, this morality tale from, you know, even 10,000 years before me, you know, is, is even if it, who cares if it happened or it didn't happen. Right the the morality is the the important thing right it's like 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 you know don't don't hurt people <laughs> you know or, or something like that like it's <laughs> yeah it's 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 uh just i love storytelling which is why i fell in love with you guys' podcast so like this is like oh, i can thanks. gush forever about this but like it's vi- yeah. video games i i think what i would want to impart my my little piece that i would want to impart on your listeners is um, video game stories are important because they're as important as any other story. And anyone who, anyone who wants to tell a story, um, has every right to tell that story and has, you know, I, I hope that at least one person listens to them. Right. And right. Right. And maybe the story is not good. Maybe it needs work. Maybe, you know, it's, it's got the wrong idea or something. Right. But you should still be able to tell it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, it's so it's so interesting that you say that about especially about Halo Reach because like I almost had a I don't know if this is appropriate anymore I'm gonna say it just in case then I'll get rid of it not but like a Vietnam flashback so to speak of Halo Reach and like I remember playing that I, I forgot I even played that game but I, I remember the moment and again spoiler alert like when when you're on just the planet by yourself and there is there's no way to leave and you see the enemies coming and you just you know you're not gonna make it you know you're gonna die you have the option to fight you know it's futile. Um, and then it, it it just feels so heavy. It's, it's so they did they did something so similar, and I I can't remember what came first, Crisis Core or Reach. I think Crisis Core, but like they're so far apart, like game wise, right? Like I think Crisis Core was two thousand nine. I think Reach was twenty ten. Maybe they were they were like not super far off. I played it senior year of college, and I graduated twenty twelve. So maybe twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Um, but the the way that you can still stand up and fight even if it's futile is so good in those games you know and and it goes back to what we were saying about standing up to the little guy even or standing up to the big guy as the little guy it doesn't matter how outnumbered you are or how how you know futile it is 
they you know zach and and i think the colloquially they call him six the uh the the, the person you play uh in reach because uh it's a inhabited character um I, but i think he is generally referred to as, as six um it 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 folds out in such a same way where yeah you there's a battle and you can just sit there and, and die and like the game's gonna end the same way but like who does that no one does that you fight like you fight you fight till you know until you can't and crisis core and reach both do the same thing where it's such a almost flawless transition between being mid-combat into a cutscene that you cannot alter and you cannot fight against and there's a scene in crisis core and a scene in reach that are almost identical where i just and i just saw this in crisis core today but as zach you're sitting on the ground in a shinra and you know you're like looking up through zach's eyes like so you're just seeing the sky on your screen and then a shinra grunt kind of comes into the into focus and he just looks at you and just like cocks a gun levels it at you and shoots and the screen goes to black and it's almost the exact same thing as what happens with six but instead of a shinra soldier it's uh an elite if i remember right comes up and plasma plasma guns you in the face or needles you in the face and yeah and oh it's just so good <laughs> yeah so it's painful like really satisfying. <laughs> yeah it's weirdly yeah. satisfying like yeah. i i feel like sometimes like uh if if i had to pick one flaw in in some modern storytelling is that things sometimes get wrapped up too pretty and and too perfect of a bow and as nice as that is in a in a fantasy world sometimes uh sometimes the uh the legitimate feeling of helplessness coming all the way through and coming into fruition because it is unfortunately a lot of, in a lot of cases, probably the most likely outcome is, is so poignant and powerful because like, yeah, of course, of course Zach was going to die. It was a literal army around him. You know, of course, of course six was going to die a literal army around him and you're alone and everyone doesn't like you. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, it's the, it's the only logical end, but obviously, you know, you kind of wait for that, that trope of, you know, the last minute escape. Right. And I, I just, I love when things hurt <laughs> and I don't know, maybe it's just some, some, it's weird, like locked away, like sadomasochism I have or something, but like just the, <laughs> the, the, when, when you feel something like when you, you know, when it makes you like feel like cry or think like, it just means that like, I feel like it, I, it worked like whatever the author, whatever the, the creator wanted to, wanted to do, it, it worked because like I sat and I cried into a microphone for several hours today and you know, in a couple in you know, a couple weeks that episode's gonna go out and I'm gonna get a whole bunch of messages from people that, you know, hopefully love the episode. Knock on wood. Uh and <laughs> and, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna kind of be the same thing the same feeling for me, I feel like, you know, where it's like, ah, oh, like, yeah, it hurt at the time and it was hard to do, but boy, I feel I feel good about it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's interesting. All this talk reminds me of, and I'm not gonna spo- I'm not gonna spoil this game because it's relatively new. But um, The Last of Us Part Two, that was a game that when I finally beat it, it was late at night. I was by myself, and I just felt the heavy weight of that game just sitting on me. And I not felt that way about any kind of form of media in recent years as I did that game. Like being a part of that game, I think it's so special about video games that it's getting better now. But I think still people look down on it in a sense is that. You really do inhabit these characters in a sense that you are 
in this story and like much more so than just watching it vicariously like you would like a movie or a tv show or even reading as a book um it just yeah it just it just it's so it's just so heavy in a way and you have to sit with it and that you feel like you kind of grow from it at least i did personally i feel like i kind of grow from these things so it's very interesting absolutely i just um if you if you don't mind one more uh one more like little little thing on that um, yeah one of my favorite book series when I was growing up was this uh, series by Darren Shan uh, called Cirque du Freak. And it's about uh, um, vampires and uh, it's a kid's book. It's a kid series. Um, probably like I would say age appropriate for like 12 and up. Uh, I still, I, I will, st- I have all of them on my Kindle. <laughs> I will still go back and read them all the time, <laughs> but they had probably the cruelest thing I've ever felt in reading a story in one of the later books is book seven. They have made you grow so attached to all the characters in the book series. Right. And then one of them, and it's not the main character, but one of those characters starts falling and he's a vampire into a pit full of spikes uh, during, during a fight. Uh, And it's, it's, it's part of the, like the lore in the world. Like it's, it's like maybe in, on our world, maybe not like they never like say like towns or cities or anything or like anything that would like tell you if it's like earth or not. So like they don't really do any of that, but, but like, you know, it it makes sense in in the, in the context for them to be fighting in this, in this arena uh, that's, that's filled with pits or with spikes. uh, And he starts falling and the chapter ends and then the next chapter picks up and the chapter picks up with a character that you haven't seen in two books swinging in out of nowhere and saving that character and they go through a whole chapter of the outcome of what happens after that and then the chapter ends again and the next chapter just says no i wish i could say it was like that but it wasn't he fell he died and it was horrible and that like that's the exact quote and i will never forget that quote (laughs) but it is phenomenal like it is so cruel to do but like it was it was also just something that like i when when i read that like he swung in you know like the, this character that you hadn't seen in a while so, like swung in and saved him i was like yeah okay like I'll, I'll roll with it like and then like the complete like 180 on that i was like you didn't need to do that you could have just said he fell yeah. you know but like but yeah. he he like the author like made this intentional choice of being like no like i want you to understand the gravity of what this death means and i'm going to show you what this outcome would have looked like if he didn't die. But I need you to understand that part so that I can tell you how horrible it is that he died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The weight of it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. so good. Ugh. I'm going to go like, I just want to like read and like, like watch movies and like imbibe all the story <laughs> content I can right now. <laughs> Dreamcast yeah. and books. Yeah. yeah. Just like, like three video game consoles, like my iPad, like a, a book like stacked up on my shoulder. <laughs> He's gone for a month. No one knows what happens to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, I, I, we could go on and talk for hours and hours. There's like so many games and, and stories I'm thinking of that are, that are similar. But the last thing I want to ask any is where can we find more of you? Where can we hear more of your beautiful voice? Where can we hear more of your love of stories? Where can we hear more of the things that you're creating uh, in the world? I know you talked about a little bit at the top, but I want to, I want to hear your, your, your beautiful, passionate words. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, so once more, my name's Hanny. I'm a co-host on the First Encounter podcast. Uh, you can find us at firstencounterpodcast.com or you can look up First Encounter podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Twitter at 1stencounterpod. 
sorry. <laughs> it, it was the only <laughs> thing that was available and would fit. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, uh, firstencounterpodcast.com will get you pretty much anywhere you need to be uh, for us. We also have a uh, Patreon where we are continuing Final Fantasy VII compilation story. Uh, we just finished Crisis Core today. That episode should be coming out in about a month. And then uh, we will be moving into... Um, whatever comes next we actually let our patrons vote on it so uh i don't know what's coming next uh from final fantasy 7 compilation yet either i think that's everything i wanted to say <laughs> uh, it's so good i'm so glad you're on here i know we've been talking about this for a while so like i just like this has been so good to like reminisce i just feel like i'm i feel like it's 2000 again and i'm kind of like you know what i mean like just <laughs> i'm very there again i'm very content moment. and very nostalgic right now <laughs> no, yeah. yeah i'm gonna play majora's mask i'll see you later yeah. <laughs> like, i'm gonna play halo reach now my cup is full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's, it's been so good. Well, thank you guys so much it's for fun. having yeah. me. I really, really appreciate it. And I, anytime, just let us know. Uh, and yeah. and get, yeah. get that scallywag co-host of mine on here too. We, we oh, will try. Sure. We, will, we will track him down and we'll get him on here and he'll have to talk about video games in his feelings Love it. too. Love <laughs> <laughs> have to talk about these things. <laughs> and if you ever need anything from us, please let us know. We'll yeah, just always jump on and do something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, if you try- want an episode of Victoria's Mask, you let me know. I will be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I, I will be in contact. I have some ideas of things I want to do. <laughs> right. If I have to dress up, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you Perfect. need to do. <laughs> awesome. Oh I'm trying to think of an embarrassing character I could, I could cosplay as from Majora's Tingle, Mask. Tingle, of course. Uh, I'll just be a doll of I was gonna the whole s- time. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 Uh, I was going to say... Uh, I, I would say Tingle, but Chris is yeah. very firmly involved in oh, being that's Tingle, true. so that's I feel true. like he would have a little, a little FOMO of not being Tingle. I must be like, just based on your your pictures on your Discord, like he has Tingle, right? So like he has to be Tingle. You have creepy statue Link, so you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, gonna, link. just gonna just like walk up to people and just be like, "You've met with a terrible fate," and just start shaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would call the Happy Mask Maker. I would be happy. I oh, smile too much already, so, so that'd be great. <laughs> uh, yep, that'd be fantastic. Or just the banker. I'm just constantly slapping my my thighs waiting for you. What you got? What you got? What oh you man, got? you're gonna give me that much. <laughs> when you say it like that now i don't want it that's weird <laughs> it's super weird yeah it's super duper weird oh no this has been an awesome awesome yeah. episode yes please everyone story goers if you uh have any room for any more podcasts please check out first encounter even if you don't even yeah. do it anyway please make room um, make room make room yes as i'm <laughs> I, i'm trying to do the same so it's, it's sure, i know life is not easy sometimes to, to fit more things in but it's always worth it so um but Ryan Haney, thank you for coming on today, obviously. Um, and hopefully, Storygoers, you're doing well. Let us know what you think about Tales of Acadia or any of the games that we've talked about today uh, at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. We got to get a better Gmail. No, I mean, no, no. Perfect. You can never, never change, change it. <laughs> never change it. Never okay. change it. Chris and I still, we have to edit it out at this point because it's been so aggressive. There's so many times we'll just be like, like recording something and like we'll be like spelling something out and i'll just be like all the e's are threes and it'll be like a word that (laughs) has no e's in it at all (laughs) i want i guess you're right it should just become it's it's thing as it continues so yeah i just know i know there is probably someone out there that has written to us and forgot one three and they probably think that we hate them and never read anything (laughs) (laughs) love it uh but we hope everyone's doing well thank you again hank for joining us Uh, And we will see everyone in the next episode.
Bye. Bye. Bye.